This episode of Long Range Two Pointers is a collaboration between 10th Year Seniors and Kyle Bell Kingdom. Check them out on all social media platforms, one of the best sports blogs out of Sacramento, California. We're live on location at the AAA in Miami, Florida, and we're brought to you by Alive. The new year just got even better with Alive. Keep your number, switch your network, and you can get great deals on great phones for the entire month, like the Alcatel 5085 for $49, the iPhone 8 for $599, or the Samsung Galaxy Note 8 for $649. Remember, you have to make the switch to take advantage of these deals. Promotion good at all Alive stores throughout the country until January 31st or while supplies last. Terms and conditions apply. Alive. Believe in best. That money stacked tall, but only partially my focus. So compassionate, struggle hard for me to cope with. Do a lot for others, not for This is Clay Thompson of the Golden State Warriors, and you logged on to 10thYearSeniors.com. I'm Draymond Green, forward for the Golden State Warriors, and you logged on to 10thYearSeniors.com. Wrapped up in for you. Kids grew up scars that are rubbed down with oil. And life didn't change a bit, but I can't grow apart. For those in my business, there it is. Redemption for Golden Welcome to a collaboration podcast here directly from the American Airlines Center. I'm Leo Bias, a co-host. My other co-host, Ronaldo Dorset from 10thYearSeniors.com. Introduce yourself, oh man. Tell this audience who you are and why you're here at the American Airlines Center. What's up? I'm glad to be here with Cowbell Kingdom. Uh, like Leo said, I'm Ronaldo Dorset from 10th Year Seniors. We're a sports and pop culture blog in the Bahamas. We're here um, at the AAA to cover Buddy Heald, of course. Buddy Heald right now is the face of Bahamian basketball, so we pretty much follow him everywhere he goes. We've been following his career since he was at Oklahoma, that short stint in New Orleans that nobody ever talks about anymore, and now here <laughs> at Happier Times in Sacramento. So where everybody goes, we'll follow. That's right, and we'll get to the other Bahamian who I am super excited about, uh, Arizona center, Mr. Aiden, DeAndre Aiden. We'll talk about him. We'll get your insight on what you know about him, um, how he grew up coming uh, to the States, and, and, and how his entire background story is in the Bahamas, similar or not to Buddy Hield. I don't know yet, which is why we have you on the show. Another topic is you're a big-time Kentucky fan. You know Kentucky very well from the inside out. I want to talk about Willie Colleystein, Scalabee Sierra. Of course, all the NBA trade rumors that we've been hearing thus far in in the last two games. You know, we were together in Orlando, together tonight here in Miami. What do you see from Willie Colleystein that you saw at Kentucky but you haven't really seen here at the NBA level? Well, Willie has always been that high-energy kind of player. You know, he's a guy that is going to grab rebounds, a guy that's going to finish around the rim. Actually, what I've seen is a bit more growth in his game, things that you didn't see at the collegiate level. He seems more comfortable taking jumpers out to about 15 feet. He seems more comfortable putting the ball on the floor, you know, making that one or two moves off of a pick-and-roll to be able to get his baskets. That's something he really didn't do at the collegiate level. It was more of a... You know, I'm going to grab an offensive rebound or I'm going to catch a lob. He seems to be diversifying his game a bit more. He's taking more shots than I saw him take the entire time he was at Kentucky. He was not 
he was not this guy. So hopefully that growth in his game, you know, is something that we'll continue to see. Hopefully he'll be able to get a post move or two. I know the game's kind of trending away from that, but, you know, when you can get easy baskets, the Kings are looking toward playoff time sometime in the near future. In the near future. <laughs> in the near future. But when playoff time rolls around, you want somebody that can get you an easy basket in the post. Hopefully Willie's going to be that guy for this team. So would you say Willie should really model his game maybe to a guy like Clint Capella who, who exceeds in pick and roll along with a very good point guard slash shooting guard in James Harden? But that's the type of role that I see Willie playing. But Willie really tries and, and talks about being like that DeMarcus type player. And to me, he's not that. Before the Porzingis game in New York, he had shot a total of zero threes in his entire career. Now, I think he shot like less than five his entire life. So I don't see how he's the modern day big. I want him I want him to be a Clint Capella, but he has a different mindset. Why do you think that is? You know what it is? You see, the Kentucky guys, this is all a big family, right? So they see each other at the alumni game. They play during the offseason. And you know DeMarcus just gets on all of the other bigs about how they can't do the stuff that he does. Anthony Davis is probably the only one that has the same kind of skill set DeMarcus does. So if you're really and you're seeing that and you're seeing what Carl Towns can do, you start to think to yourself, well, nobody's going to talk about me unless I can do this stuff, right? <laughs> so so if, you, if you're hanging around all these guys that can put it on the floor, that can take these jump shots that are take charge kind of guys, Maybe I don't know. Maybe that's a part part of his ego. Maybe you know that's that's drilling into his psyche that he wants to adapt to the way the league is going. Now he should pattern himself much more like DeAndre Jordan. He can be that kind of guy while adding adding a consistent jumper to his game. But in terms of being DeMarcus or Anthony Davis or Carl Towns, that's that's not him, and that's okay because. Despite the fact that, you know, we said the NBA is going in a different direction, there's always going to be room for guys that can grab rebounds, guys that can block shots and finish at the rim. You're always going to have a spot. And with that said, I have to give him credit. He's been playing very well the past three weeks. He's been flat out balling. But I want to talk about Scalabi Sierra. I was very disappointed when I heard his name in in the uh, trade mill, and, and yes, I can confirm that the Kings have been shopping him, which to me is disappointing. I know they love Harry Giles. They're in love with him. But my thing is, and trust me, I love Harry Giles too, but he is an unknown for me right now. We haven't watched him play. We saw a shell of himself at Duke. So in reality, when was the last time he played consistent basketball? It's been a while. So to me, it's like, yeah, high school. So to me, it's why would you bank on that? while you have a very offensive skill player and scout with a lot of upside offensively and some upside as a weak side blocker. What have you seen from Scal thus far at the NBA level that you didn't see in that atrocious year at Kentucky? Listen to me. <laughs> as one of the biggest Kentucky homers out there, I had such high hopes for Scal. He was coming into UK as the number one or number two recruit in the country, depending on you know which publication you were following. So you expected him to not be Anthony Davis, but be mentioned in the same conversation. Obviously, we know that did not happen. Still, uh, still a lottery pick. Came to the Kings, and somehow he was a much better pro player than he was at any point in college. He looked, he looked much more comfortable. Uh, his game looks like it diversified because at UK, what you saw from Scal was as soon as he got the ball, it was like a hot potato. Like he was chucking that jumper up or he was getting it out of his hands. There was no confidence whatsoever. I don't know why that was, but 
he completely transformed into somebody else in Sacramento. Late in the season after the Cousins trade, you saw Scal putting up big numbers. So you thought that would be building blocks for the future. And I was personally disappointed to see, you know, this year it looks like, you know, the front office took a step back from that growth and development. So you saw his minutes go down, his involvement in the offense go down. And now, like you mentioned, shopped in, in trade talks. You know, I don't know what that does for, for his development. I don't know if that progression is going to be continuous like we saw in his rookie season. There's just a lot up in the air now, and I guess it'll depend on where he lands if indeed this move happens. So if it doesn't happen, how does that affect his psyche overall? It's, it's tough, man, and I guess, I guess the best thing for him to do would be to talk to someone like Buddy. He's a young player as well, but he's went through this already because, you know, being traded in your rookie season, that's tough for anybody to go through, and I remember talking to Buddy about that. It was tough on him because you come from the collegiate level where you're the man. You've probably been hearing you're the man your entire life, and then you get to the NBA and, you know, you're seen as expendable. So Scal will have to be mentally strong, and he'll, he'll have to bet on himself. He'll have to, you know, find it within him to say, you know what, no matter where I land, I'm going to make this contribution. And what I use for anything, I even use this in my writing, you got to be spiteful as hell. Like, you have to make that team regret that decision if that does happen. I'll say, I'll say this about Buddy Hill. The first day I met him, which was the first press conference last practice after the uh, big DeMarcus Cousins trade, you felt such a positive vibe from him, and he pretty much said, you know what, it's had to happen because it's in God's hands. So he's very, he has a lot of faith, right? And that, to me, that really helps any individual, let alone an NBA player that went through that. Scal LaBissiere, to me, he's a very grateful player. He went through a big-time incident in 2010 with the earthquake. So that really humbled himself. And Buddy, to me, is very humble as well. So I think that might help Scout if indeed he does get traded. I'm hoping that he doesn't. Maybe it's a DeMar DeRozan situation where he was on that trade block. And then after that, they I remember it was that Rudy Gay year when they traded Rudy to the Kings. Everyone was on, on the block. That year, they thought Kyle Lowry was going to the Knicks. It didn't happen. They pretty much told him that. And DeMar was like, well, I want to get traded too. So things like that happen, right, where your name is mentioned. And Garrett Temple last game said, it's a lie when players say we don't pay attention. Players are human beings, and they pay attention to this type of stuff. So to me, is how do you block that noise? The thing is, I don't think they do. And every one of them is sit there and they tell you, you know, I don't listen to that stuff. I think I heard George Hill say it when we were in Orlando. I don't listen to that stuff. I don't watch ESPN. I don't pay attention to the Internet. I mean, you're a liar, first of all. <laughs> like, no. Nobody nobody does that. I mean, writers, bloggers, we all look at the traffic that's out there on the internet because if you're an artist, no matter what your art is, whether it's writing, whether it's doing what we do, whether it's playing basketball, because that's an art form, you want people to appreciate what you do. So there's no way you exist in a vacuum where you're not concerned about people's opinions. That's that's just not realistic. And like you said, these guys are humans. And if if you feel like your employer isn't appreciating your value, you're going to feel some kind of way about that. Your attitude's going to be different. Your effort's going to be different. So it takes a, a really strong and a really resilient person to brush all of that off and still be able to perform. You can go one or two ways when, when you're involved in trade rumors. You can sulk. You can go into a corner. You can make it really difficult for the people around you in your work environment, or that can push you to be better. So where these guys land on the side of that, it a lot of basketball still have to be played. And We'll have to see how the second half of the season played out. Like, like we mentioned, the Kings made that big move at the free agent. Uh, sorry, at the All Star break last year. Who knows if they got another one in them?
And for the people listening to this podcast, you guys can tell that we are here live at American Airlines. It's super loud. Hopefully, by the time we listen to this in post, it's not overbearing where you guys can't listen to us. I don't think so because the microphones that we're using uh, cancel the background noise. But with that said, talk to me about Buddy Heald and his background story, how he came to the Kings. Well, not, well, not to the Kings. How he got to Oklahoma and then how he progressed every single year and how... I heard you and John said that he should have came out junior year and he didn't. That would have possibly helped him be a late first-round pick and possibly get him to a better situation. Uh, so talk to me about that and and how do you project him in the next five years? Yeah. Well, obviously Buddy's a folk hero in the Bahamas. Um, as someone that that's a sports writer, I've been covering him for a long time. Like I, I, My first memory of him was during our – National High School Tournament, and at that time, this was before the growth spurt, so Buddy was one of the shortest guys on the team. The first thing you noticed was the teeth. <laughs> and he was just this really super confident kid walking in the gym, leading this team of, of big guys, and there was just something about him. And once the game started, he wasn't missing a shot. So right then you saw that, that this, you know, this kid has it. And the typical thing for Bahamians to do when they're talented at that level, you know, you may lose track of them for a while when they make that transition to the U.S. So Buddy played in a showcase in Grand Bahama. It's called the Daryl Sayers Showcase. He played in that showcase, got noticed, um, and eventually he moved, to the, he moved to the U.S., got a scholarship, finished high school in the U.S. I think he was a three- or four-star recruit out of Sunrise Christian in, in Kansas. And... Eventually found his way to Oklahoma. Oklahoma, his freshman year, I remember first game of the season, he came off of the bench and had about 11 points. So right away he was this instant energy kind of guy coming off the bench, providing that for the Sooners. As soon as he moved into the starting lineup, he became one of the team's top scorers. By his junior year, took off. Became the Big 12 Player of the Year. And right, right at that point, I thought he should have made the leap to the NBA. I mean, most pundits felt like he should have made the leap to the NBA. I mean, it's very rare to have a guy projected to go middle-level first round and then they decide to come back for their senior year because it's so so much unpredictability surrounding that. But like most things in Buddy's story, something unbelievable happened. He came back, he did what a lot of people thought he shouldn't do, and all of his numbers went up. Nobody was projecting that. His scoring, the way he shot the ball, he was more efficient. He was better defensively. He was able to put the ball on the on the ground better. I mean, he still needs improvement in that area, but it was much better from his junior year to his senior year. So, again, he became the story in college basketball his senior year. Ben Simmons was by far the best player, and you knew he'd be number one. But Buddy was on ESPN every night. I mean, I think he had several interviews with, with Scott Van Pelt on his late show and he had the game where he went for 40 plus against Kansas so everybody started to learn about his story you know his background coming from the Bahamas really underprivileged area you know an area where a lot of people don't make it especially to the stature that he's made it now so all of that contributes to his story and it gives you insight into why he's always so positive because the first thing Buddy would always tell you is and it's grounded in religion because that's how his family is. The first thing he'll always tell you is, I can't be upset at where I am now, no matter how bad things are going on the court, because I know where I came from. And where I came from to get where I am now, I'm basically playing with house money. I have no choice but to be happy. So that approach, it infects everyone around him. And that's that's what you see out of him on the basketball court. 
And with that said, this episode of the CK Podcast collaboration with 10, uh, with 10 year seniors is brought to you by Valley Tire Center, guys. Make sure to visit them. Uh, may, tell them that Leo from Cowbell Kingdom sent you guys. And you guys will get a great deal on your next set of tires and brakes. I want to talk to you about DeAndre Hayden. I'm, I'm super hyped about this kid. It seems like he's the truth. I've watched a lot of film on him, Bagley, Trey Young, and obviously my clear cut number one, which is Luka Doncic. But to me, Aiden is number two on my uh, big board. What should we know about him that's his best attribute, and what is his biggest weakness? Uh, DeAndre Ayton has no weakness. DeAndre Ayton is is perfect. DeAndre Ayton was created in a lab. He was sent here to destroy everyone he faces on a basketball court. That's what you should know about DeAndre Ayton. His biggest strength, his confidence. He is just never shaken. One of the the first time I saw him play, he was a tenth grader, and we have this thing back at home that they call the Summer of Thunder, where you have Division One schools. Like, yeah, yeah. Division One schools, they come in and they play exhibition games against Bahamian teams. Well, at this point, DeAndre had been at high school in the U.S. for about two years. And so he came back just to play in this exhibition series. 15 years old, 10th grader, playing against North Carolina. And now, these guys were the same guys on the front line that would eventually win a national championship. So he was going against Kennedy, Meeks, Bryce Johnson, those guys. And as a 10th grader, he puts up 17 and 15 against college sophomores and juniors so right then that should let you know everything you need to know from then he's been the number one player in that class and he's never fallen off now this was a guy 12 year old kid his mom just sends him to a basketball camp that a pretty pretty famous basketball camp that we have there called the jeff rogers camp he goes there first day he's in a football jersey never picked up a basketball before 12 years old but at that point i think he was about six four six five maybe so people see him and they said, we've got to get this kid out of here. He needs to go to the U.S. where he can train, where he can become exactly what he is right now. And so starting from there, his career path and his trajectory has just been trending upward ever since. He's gotten to Arizona and hasn't disappointed. In fact, he's probably exceeded expectations because to me, I mean, like you mentioned, you, you saw a film on all those other guys, but... I think DeAndre's number one. And I understand that I'm a big homer and I will always be an unapologetic homer for this guy. But I think there's a difference between the way him and Bagley approach the game. DeAndre is more that 2018 Morton kind of big. You know what I mean? He's the kind of guy that you could really, I can really see you having him as the corner piece of your franchise. And that's what I think he's going to be. He's a franchise player. I think he's the number one player. He should be on anybody's board. Okay, so obviously he said all the positives, all the lovely things about Aiden. <laughs> when I look at Aiden and when I talk to scouts, without talking to scouts, the first thing that popped up to me is his jump shot. It's not the smoothest. It's kind of it's it, it's not broken, but it's not the best looking shot. Second thing to me is his defense. His it's not his motor, but his concentration. Would you say is like his weakness? All those things are projectable and. He can fix those things at the next level. Once he concentrates on pure basketball, I think that's going to change. To me, he is a game changer, which is why he's number two. But when you have, you know, a guy like Luca who plays one, two, and three, and eight, and he looks like he's 25 years old, and he's 18, you have to go with him at number one, right? Just because of the versatility that you you get at one, two, and three. <laughs> so 
DeAndre Aiden, to me, again, he's number two on my big board. But would you agree that his shot's not the best and, and that his his defense, his instincts are not the best? Disagree wholeheartedly. Best jump shot I've ever seen in my life. Uh, okay, defensively, I get what you're saying with that. I feel like the spot that you land in the NBA and schemes and a lot of defense is effort, right? So that's the word that you hear people talk about with, with DeAndre Aiden. They just don't feel like he has the effort that, that you need to be a great defensive stopper. Well, I say look at his situation in Arizona. Sean Miller says all the time, we are trying to teach DeAndre to do things that are going to help him at the next level. So a lot of times he has DeAndre playing defense on the perimeter against smaller guys because he wants him to develop those skills because he'll probably be tasked with doing that when he gets to the M yeah when he gets to the NBA. So, and I saw Coach Cal do this a lot with, with Bam Adebayo, the, the one year he spent at UK. So a lot of times DeAndre Ayton's playing away from the basket, so he's not in a position to be that rim protector. And he's he's still learning. Like I said, he's he's not been playing basketball for very long. He's been playing basketball for, for about five years. So, so he's still learning. You know, this is his first year, obviously, his one year that he's gonna spend in Arizona. He's still learning the scheme. So it, it's, it's going to take some time. It's going to take some patience. And you still hear people say that Carl Towns isn't a great defensive player, you know? He's awful. Disagree wholeheartedly once awful. again. Disagree wholeheartedly. I mean, tell, tell me why, though. Thibodeau's got to get it together, I'm saying. Really? Yeah, Thibodeau's got to get it together. Everyone else is playing good defense, though. Except for him. Listen, I just don't feel like there's any way that Carl Towns forgot to play defense once he got to Minnesota. I've seen Carl Towns be a good defensive player. Why would he just stop playing defense? I mean, I understand the metrics are on your side in this argument. I actually don't have any good sound reason why I think he's going to be a better defensive player. I just have that blind belief in him. But DeAndre Ayton is, though, and I've, I've seen him do it. I've seen him do it in spurts. And I honestly feel like there's a part of a guy when you know you're at the top of the draft. You know you're on, you know you're on everybody's big board. You know there's more basketball left to be played. I think you can't help but be a little bit complacent, and I, I get the sense sometimes that he's holding back. Not that, not that, I don't want to say he's not giving his best effort because that'll paint the kid in a negative light, but I think he can get to a next gear. I think there's a next level there for him to go to. I agree 100% with that. I feel like next year when Duke plays and play with the top three recruits, we won't be able to see the top level of these kids because it's one system, it's one basketball, and yeah, exactly. And I'm not very happy with Zion going to Duke, but it is what it is, man. Um, before we end the show, I want to get your take on who you believe is the MVP thus far, who you think will end up being the MVP of the season. Also, who do you have in the finals and and why? And do is there any team in the West that can honestly compete with the Golden State Warriors? Um... MVP of the season, wow. It's it's gonna come down to it's gonna come down to you know, record plays a huge part of it and the only reason, you know, it didn't last year is because Russ did something that people thought would never happen again. Him averaging the triple double superseded everything else. Um, Steph Curry and KD kind of cancel each other out. So it, it's difficult for I think any warrior to get the MVP at this point. So the logical place to look the next step for me would be look to the Rockets. And if the Rockets finish with a comparable record to the Warriors, I think James Harden gets it. Finally. Yeah, because, I mean, 
he, yeah, he probably should have got it last year, but it's tough to not give it to a guy that averaged a triple-double, so I get that. So I think it's going to be the year for James Harden. Once once he's healthy, once this hamstring thing is not something that lingers. Um, in terms of the finals, the Warriors and Cavs again. For all of the trouble that the Cavs are having right now, they still play in the Eastern Conference, <laughs> and I just don't, I don't see Cleveland, I mean, sorry, I don't see the Celtics beating them in a seven-game series. Um... They're talented, but they're still very young. They haven't, they haven't had what Doug Collins like to call the sweat equity of losing yet, you know. So when you have to go through a year or two of that in the playoffs, go through those tough losses before you make that break. That's that's just usually the way it goes, and they haven't gone through that yet. The Raptors seem like a different team, but they're still the Raptors, though. I mean, they they seem different, but isn't this? in large part the same cast of characters we've seen them go to war with the last few years what's going to be different this time i think demar derozan's adjusted well he finally started taking a step one foot back i mean stop taking long range two pointers i mean people have only been saying that to him for the last five years so I mean, those teams are going to challenge Cleveland, but I still think the Cavs get in there because when you have LeBron, we've got to pencil you into the finals every year. So, so who wins? The Warriors win again. I mean, Five? maybe four. They should have won in four last year. Maybe they sweep them this time. I think, I just think they're, and it's kind of making, I don't want to say it's making the season boring, but it's going to be a very anticlimactic finish because you know the Warriors are just heads and shoulders above everyone else. So the Rockets have a chance against the Warriors. I think they do. I think they're the only team that has a chance against the Warriors, and which is why I was disappointed that Carmelo Anthony decided to go to OKC because I wanted to see how he would have looked with this Rockets team. Now, if if he was with this Rockets team, I would have much more confidence, and I may have picked them to beat the Warriors. But I think the Warriors still get them, and that'll be their toughest test in the playoffs. So we're on for Warriors-Cavs 4, and the Warriors win it again. Russ is going to be... The MVP. I'm sorry, not Russ. <laughs> I'm thinking of last year. James Harden is going to be your MVP, unless uh, Buddy Heel starts getting 40 minutes a game, and then uh, some magical things happen in the second half of the season. I'm holding out hope. That's what I'm talking about. He, man, my juices are up. Hopefully, Buddy Heel gets invited to the three-point shootout. Um, if he doesn't, oh, we he didn't make it. He didn't make it. Yeah, I saw the list a few minutes ago. Oh, okay. So see, I'm not looking at my phone. Yeah. Who made it? It's uh. Um, no, I know I'm going to get some of this wrong. I know it's Bradley Beal, Devin Booker, Wayne Ellington, and Clay, T and Clay Thompson, I think. Yeah, those are the four names I remember seeing. I don't – the the full – the exhaustive list right now is escaping me, but I remember those four names distinctly. How on earth did Buddy Hill not make that list over Wayne Ellington? He's, he's six, he's a, he has the sixth best three-point percentage in the league. I mean – he does it in 24 minutes a game. Obviously, if you project that to 30 plus 40 minutes, it would be ridiculous. But, you know, it's bias against people from the Caribbean is what it is. Exactly is what I'm saying. My man, where can the Cowbell Kingdom Nation find you on Twitter, on Instagram? Where can they read all your stuff on your website? Okay, so you can follow uh, our website is 10thyearseniors.com. That's the number 10, T-H, and you spell out the rest, yearseniors.com. That's our handle on every every social media platform, Instagram, Twitter, our Facebook page, so you can find us there. Um, some of, We do sports and pop culture, so you'll get a lot of 
you get a lot of Bahamian-centric articles, but we're not limited to that. But we like to follow our athletes as they go all over the world. So you'll see a lot of stuff from Buddy. You'll see a lot of stuff from DeAndre Eaton and any other guys like that uh, that your audience wants to follow. And one last question. How would you come up with the name, man? All right, so the number 10, we're all, we're all big uh, college sports fans from where we went to school. So you've got me from Kentucky, John from UCF, and guys from all sorts of different schools. And so, you know, a fifth-year senior in college basketball, that's always somebody that, you know, somebody that's supposed to know the game, that's supposed to be really knowledgeable and smart. And we just took that and took a play on words and went all the way left with it and called ourselves 10th-year seniors. <laughs> That's, that's actually pretty creative. So I thank you uh, for taking some time today. Again, guys, you guys can follow him. He already told you guys the handles. Follow him on Instagram. They also have cool footage um, on the court. And uh, follow John. That's, that's my guy. One last thing. What do you project Buddy Hill to be in five years? And is he a sixth man to you? Because to me, he is. Ultimately, is he a guy like a like a Lou Williams, Jamal Crawford type guy, or is he a starter in the NBA? I always thought his career path would be Jamal Crawford, would be Lou Williams. I th I think he's absolutely not. Those guys get to stick around for 15 years. Jamal Crawford's like 40 years old, and he's still doing the same thing. That's an excellent career. I I feel like that's that's what he's going to be now. Everything obviously is situational. It's all based on where you land, but. I can see Buddy being that guy for legit the next decade. He can't. He can be that because he's somebody that comes in the game, and once you give him the green light, he's gonna get buckets. He's gonna find his shot. So, Jamal Crawford, Luke Williams, two perfect examples of of what Buddy should be, and you're absolutely spot on with that. I think that's that's the best case scenario for where he can go. All right, guys. I hope you guys enjoy this mini podcast live from American Airlines Center here in Miami, Florida. Don't forget to follow all of our vlogs. Follow the journey that we have been through in Orlando uh, and today in Miami. I'm not sure when the video will come. We'll also publish a video from Universal Studios. If you guys want to watch that, you guys can go ahead and subscribe to our channel. Follow us at Basketball Zone Official for all NBA content. And again, thank you guys so much, and I'll see you guys on the next podcast. The new year just got even better with Alive. Keep your number, switch your network, and you can get great deals on great phones for the entire month, like the Alcatel 5085 for $49, the iPhone 8 for $599, or the Samsung Galaxy Note 8 for $649. Remember, you have to make the switch to take advantage of these deals. Promotion good at all Alive stores throughout the country until January 31st or while supplies last. Terms and conditions apply. Alive. Believe in best.